Welcome to our podcast here at Hope United Church. To access the live stream of our services, along with other resources and information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. We are in Paul's final letter to Timothy. Uh, Paul's final letter to Timothy, part 28. That means we're in 28th week of this. Uh, We may... Because this is really the conclusion. These five verses at the start of chapter four are really the conclusion instruction verses. The rest of the verses are not so much instructive as in doctrinal instruction. There is instruction, but this is the last five verses that Paul writes. He may have have said other things. I'm sure he did before his death, which was imminent. But there's nothing more recorded in history. Uh, that can be found that Paul mentioned after this. So if you think of Apostle Paul, who he is, if you think of his journey, if you think of uh, everything that he's done, the churches that he's built and established, the experience he's had as you read through the, certainly the second half of the book of Acts all the way through his letters, almost two thirds of the New Testament written by Paul. And these are his last five verses, if you like, penned, written, spoken to his spiritual son, Timothy. Uh, This is just part two. It's going to be of preach the word in all seasons. Uh, And we started chapter four last week. We nearly get through two verses, which is part of these five verses, the last five instructive verses, as we I mentioned there all things that Paul taught, all things he experienced, all things he carried, all the love he had for his spiritual son, it all culminates in this one final instruction to his spiritual son. Let's read it together. Well, I'll read it. We don't need to read it out loud. You'll see it on the the screen. 2 Timothy 4, 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves. Heap up, it may say in your version, accumulate for themselves. Teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded and your suffering, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill the ministry. That is Paul's final instruction to Timothy. Wonderful words, but, but sobering words to Timothy, who we know is the pastor in Ephesus. Paul first charges Timothy, we we spoke about this at length uh, last week in the first verse. Diamartunomai, diamartunomai is a Greek word that means to earnestly plead, to to call to witness. Uh, And this is not a suggestion, there is no suggestion here by Paul to Timothy. Paul is, uh, there's no suggestion that this would be a good idea, Timothy. He's given him no other option. 
There is no other option. This is the only option. And often, as we know that Timothy was in very trying times, challenging times, difficult times, fierce opposition was coming against them. Um, and often when that happens in the life of anybody, uh, even Timothy here who was mentored by the great apostle Paul, even then in these challenging times, times of contention that he was in and as we can be, it's often in those times that we, we, we look and we grasp for an easier, softer option, something that will be less uh, painful. Uh, we, we can tend to look for something that will be less offensive. In those times, I'm sure you've been in conversations and you're thinking, this is not going well. This is not going well, this conversation. And in those moments, there is that, your flesh is screaming to just comfort or say something that's much more palatable to the person. Uh, and we can look for that option and that'll cost us maybe less pain or less opposition. And the desire to compromise is always knocking on the door. Every believer, every person, not just a believer, but here we're talking about believers, the, that, that, that desire at times, that fight to, the, to silence the voice in your mind that's saying, I better not go there, I am not saying this. And that door has been widely opened, it seems, in this season. It's been totally blasted open the, during these, this current shambles. And that's, a, that's the only way you can call it, a shambles, the church. And, you know, the latest is, I just need to say this, the latest is no board games at Christmas. Really, that's what we're up, that's what we're at. No board games at Christmas. Despair. The church and many leaders, by opening the door to compromise, as we see it in this season, as they've opened the door to compromise, they've bowed the knee. Like, alarmingly. And so easily. They've bowed the knee so much that I don't really buy any of it, but they've bowed the knee so much that unbelievers, even unbelievers, political unbelievers, are even saying that the church has went too soft. And that's a sad thing that when you've got when you've got politicians, you're not heard Nigel Farage saying or the, the church has bowed, it's it's went so weak, and the guy's right, and I don't disagree with everything he says. I did message him right enough and I says. But I agree with you, Nigel, but what church do you go to? He <laughs> never get back to me, of course. Uh, but the point I'm making is, is that in this time and compromise, and when compromise starts and the doors is flung wide open to compromise, even the unchurch is looking at the church and going, even yous don't have the courage in this season. Even the church has bowed the knee. And that compromise, he opened the door, that compromise of opening the door has closed the church. The very thing that's more than anything needed. I've never, I've never been more sure that there's no greater thing needed in this season in the church of Jesus Christ when people are suffering. I don't know about you, but I, I'll just be really, really, I'll be honest here, I, I'm no trying to get off the word here, but I'm a believer. I study avidly the word. I've got amazing brothers and sisters in Christ surrounded 
in my life. I'm never far away from <clears throat> unsaturated with believers in my whole life. And I can honestly say, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. When you think of the, the oppression, how harder is it for those who don't have the word? How harder is it for those who can't visit MD when sometimes the only respite? Yeah, people are taking Christmas. People for years take Christmas the wrong way and it's commercialised. But they've not even got that avenue in an event. They've not even got that release. They've not even got that retail therapy. Jeff Bezos has got plenty of retail therapy, but we've not. So that's the stage we're at because in moments of trial and trouble and tension and opposition, compromises at his greatest temptation. And they open the door to compromises, shut the door in the church. As we know, Timothy was timorous. Timorous Timothy he was by his human nature. But Paul's having none of it. Paul's known that throughout Timothy's life and his walk, he, as we've mentioned, on countless occasions when he would send Timothy into almost host, constantly hostile. And listen, there's no such a thing during this time as a non-hostile environment. And Paul was sending Timothy and pleading with him again and always sending him into these hostile environments. I remember watching, a, I just thought it there, I remember watching a, one of the wildlife programs years ago and it was, it was about hippopotamuses. And the hippop they're massive, by the way. I, as if I'm having to tell you, that's no revelation to any of you, is it? <laughs> that is not, re people are they? That's revelation right there. I thought they were tiny. They're massive. And what the giant hippopotamuses would do to their calves is that they would put them into the water and they, they would deliberately nudge these wee lovely, at that time, probably still smelly, but lovely, uh, wee hippopotamuses. And they would nudge them towards the giant crocodile. And the hippopotamus, the wee, the wee babies would be like that. And the big hippopotamuses would be, the big hippos, just call it hippos, all right? <laughs> the, the big hippos would be watching over as if they say to the crocodile, don't you even dare. Don't you even dare. And the little hippopot because he was pushing them into this so that they would, I hate this pragmatic word, owning their zone. Yeah, <laughs> can't stand that. But so that they would own the, <coughs> their environment and take charge of their environment. And the church is the opposite that's happened. The world's took charge of the church's environment. And sometimes we just need these. Thank God for the Apostle Pauls and who push, who push believers towards a greater call. I'm so grateful for Dr. John MacArthur. Uh, and I'm so grateful for his faithfulness because when this situation, this fake pandemic, this situation started, that everything in me repelled it. Pretty much instantly. Maybe know the first couple of weeks as you're going, ooh. And then if you spend time with Calm, he's giving you statistics and you're like, ooh. 
But then as time goes on and you start to see the facts, the, the, the real facts, not the facts that we make up, the facts that the government gives us, you realise we're in a completely different, we're in a completely different thing going on here. And everything in me repelled, but it's amazing when you have faithful men of God like John MacArthur who stood up and says, this is beer opening a church here. People are coming to the church every week. There are people protesting outside his church every week. No, the, every week. I don't know if you've seen the photo of any of his follow, uh, Steve Lawson. Steve Lawson was preaching there last week. Sick. I've been at the church. It's massive. Jam-packed. Let me tell you something. See if this, see if this was as dangerous as what it says it was. They would be dropping like flies in that church. But see when you see, hear a man of faith step him up and step him out and saying the church needs to open and charging people. Thank goodness for those faithful men. Because it's almost, it's almost like this. It's like a permission slip. Not that you need it. You've got the word. But in a sense when you've got mature faithful men saying it, it's not half encouraging to so you know what? And then when you've got a kindred spirit anyway and you'll always a kindred spirit if you're standing in the same word. Timothy, Paul then says, we're all going to give an account for our lives. And none more so than pastors and teachers and the preachers, hence Paul says, the living and the dead will be judged. So therefore, preach the word in season. You could ask me, mentioned it last week, when it's convenient. Preach the word when it's convenient. And when it's out of season. I could ask. When it's inconvenient, which it certainly was for Timothy, it's, it's, it's desperately inconvenient for him when he was in Ephesus at this point and people are fleeing everywhere and their idol worship coming into the church. It was, as we know, the whole area was surrounded by that. What season do you think we're in today? Convenient? Do you think we're in a convenient season or an inconvenient season? Let, let me just say, convenient, it's only ever convenient when you're sitting with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the only time that's ever convenient to preach the word. There's never a time in your life when you're preaching the word or teaching the word or bringing the word to somebody where it's convenient. I would even add further that sometimes it's, it's so convenient that you talk about anything other than the word. Oh, small talk. I, I, in certain environments, I, I feel like a total social misfit. Oh, I, I, I'm okay in this in the environment, but seeing social environments, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not particularly comfortable in them because I can't even be bothered with small talk. <laughs> it's like, let's cut to the chase. I remember when I first got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous and... I got sober and I went to a wedding, so I'm so way back and well over 20 years ago. And I remember going to a wedding and I'm like, oh, I'm just I'm sitting and this is supposed to be an enjoyable event, you know, a celebration. I'm like, oh, I'm sitting in a corner talking about recovery. You know, I don't want to, I'm like, let's talk about recovery. Small talk. And often it's so convenient when you're with believers that that's all you talk about is. Nonsense, things that really don't matter. And that's, that's okay. 
building relationships, but you know, sometimes a conversation is... So even when it's most convenient, it becomes inconvenient because it's that convenient and it's that comfortable that you don't talk about God at all. And that's what ends up happening as you end up having friends in your life who's been in your life for years, never lead them to Christ. Well, we know that's done to election, but also as well as we have to preach the word. But you became so convenient. However, mostly when you're preaching the word, teaching the word, or bringing the word to people, it's no convenient. It's no comfortable. It's out of season. It's a winter. Why is it always inconvenient? Because sound doctrine's offensive. <laughs> That's why it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient because the word is offensive. It's not all sugar. What's happened is, is that because it's so inconvenient, because the word's not sweet enough, and Timothy's under this pressure. It's not sweet enough here. That we've made it now, we've convenienced the word. We don't, we can't convenience the time. So we convenience the word. We can't convenience this time we're in the now. We can't, we can't convenience it because it's, it's, it's mental. <laughs> it's crazy. The decisions that's getting made. So we can't convenience the word. Or the season, sorry. So what's happened is, is that believers have convenienced the word. They've made the word now convenient to suit the difficult season or the trial or the environment and what you're preaching in. Therefore, the inconvenience is no so much the environment, although it is also the environment. But we've convenienced the content. It's the content that we've convenienced. That's the greatest inconvenience that's happened in the church. John Calvin puts it this way. If we were all perfectly sound and had no faults, God would be content to give us food we liked so that we would have only the sweetest and most wholesome taste. But since we cannot profit from God's instruction... Unless he cures the evil in us. It is this that must be done. This is the purpose of the threats and punishments contained in Holy Scripture. And which we must lay every day before the people. If we're to do our duty properly. End quote. Not very convenient. It's not a very convenient statement is it? If we were preaching to perfect people, then let's preach a convenient message. <laughs> It'd be easy to preach a convenient message to people who are perfect. We used to have a sign as you walk along the hall there where the, the Scottish reformers are. Many of you will remember it. And it was a big, massive bit of artwork. And it said, no perfect people allowed before. It was fantastic. No perfect people allowed. Very pragmatic. Maybe we could have left it up though. I was thinking about it as I was studying. We could have probably left it up. No perfect people allowed. That's why today you're going to, we're going to seriously inconvenience your flesh. Maybe we could have left it up. 
No perfect people allowed. That's why today when you walk through these, those doors and the words preached is going to seriously inconvenience you. Last week we always ran out of time with what the word's purpose is. It's to reprove, rebuke, exhort. Calvin puts it this way, convict, threaten and admonish. <laughs> convict, threaten. You threaten me. You better believe it. The word will threaten you. I'll threaten every part of your flesh. How else can we die to self? The modern church today is nothing more than a positive affirmation speech. That tells nothing but comfort in words. Nothing but comfort in words. Alistair Begg says this. It's like that famous song, Tell Me Lies. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. You know the Fleetwood Mac song, I'm not singing it alright. <laughs> tell me lies, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Tell me lies. But the flesh cries for. Just tell me sweet little lies. You ever been talking to somebody and you just go, that was just a sweet little lie I told them. Because I was, I felt so inconvenienced. I felt so uncomfortable. So we see mostly the day from the church. This is what you hear. It doesn't matter whether it's a virus or not. They're really cheesed off, I have to say, at these, these constant statements. Doesn't matter whether it's a pandemic or it's no. Doesn't matter whether it's Boris or Nicola. Doesn't matter whether it's Trump or Biden. Really? Really? Doesn't matter whether it's Hitler or no. Because God still reigns. We know that. He reigned before they came. That's not the point. God's all good all the time and he reigns sovereign. Are you conveniencing everything? Are you conveniencing everything because it suits you? Are you conveniencing every situation and every problem because you're going to have to step against and go against the grain? Yeah, he's that sovereign, but you're shut. He's that sovereign, but you're still shut. Well, what we're trying to do is we're going to make a bad season into a good season. What? Isn't nothing worse when you're in a bad season? Somebody trying to tell you it's not, you're okay and it's not as bad as what you think it is. Ah, you're thinking, aye, it is. Yes, it is. And we're not trying, because, and it's not to be negative here. I can, I'll verse towards the, the rebuke. You know, you end up not getting the whole of God that way. Let's make it a good season. There's a narrative. It's what people need. Yeah, yeah, I get that to an extent. But nobody admitting the truth and living in a bubble. Oh, that's, I shouldn't have said that word, bubble. It's got too many connotations. This is some size of a bubble here, I'll tell you. I don't even think I should have said that. Today the church... <laughs> Today the church cries, let's show them the love of Christ. Let's not bring anything that makes people feel uncomfortable. 
Let's adapt to the environment. It's constantly what Timothy was under pressure to do. Constantly. And, and Paul knows it. Because Paul's been there. You know, Paul, uh, when you read the book of Acts, it's amazing. That he, and, and honestly, it's like a roller coaster ride. And we've mentioned it many times. And he would leave one town after being up, battered, punched to half an inch of his life at times. Beat up, rejected. And then it says he would leave there and go into the next town and go straight to the synagogue again. You're like, wait. Straight back to the synagogue. You're like, you want to take a day off? No, I'm straight back to the synagogue. To the point of view that they knew he was coming before he was even there and they'd able to build up this story about him. Not only that, he would arrive in a town or a city. The people had already, because the word had went before, that he was coming, so they were already hostile. And if that wasn't bad enough, then he had left the town. They decided to follow to come to cause more division. And here's Paul in the middle, standing in the midst in Athens in the Areopagus, shouting, I see that you're very religious. I passed a sign this morning that says, to the unknown God, would you like to know him? Astounded. One of the most fundamental reasons we need sound doctrine and we need to stand firm in the word is even our own flesh will have a bias towards certain elements. Even our own flesh has got a bias towards certain elements. Some prefer the flowery love. Some people are the admonition side. They like to build up. I'm the building up person. Some prefer the constant rebuking and tearing down part. That's what I have to watch. That's kind of what I go towards. Like a sculptor. Hammer and chisel. <laughs> hacking stuff off that you don't need. Some prefer the teaching the rebuking and the tearing down. None of them on their own. Important here. None of them on their own represents God. None of them represent God. God is love, God is forgiven, God is, God loves the sinner, hates the sin, you know, this will be the aim geared towards us. God is all including. Jesus done life with sinners, that part's not true. Uh, that's an aspect of God. That's an aspect of Christ. Another aspect, God is harsh, God will judge. He's about truth, he's about sorting people's mess out. He's constantly attacking sin. He's correcting lies. That in itself is not the full counsel of God. Each part of God's nature, and we were learning this in uni this last week, each part of God's nature, and the professor, in a great way he works with it, each part of God's nature informs, of, informs us of who God is. And it complements God. If one aspect is greater than another, we no longer have a true reflection in Christ of God. In order for the, the man of God to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy 3.17, to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, we need the whole counsel of God. And that means two-thirds of tearing down and one-third building up, I think, is probably about the accurate ratio. 
And if I look at my own life, I think, yeah, it's probably two-thirds being rebuked and one-third being encouraged. Probably kind of sums it up. The part we didn't get to last week, really, and only touch was in complete patience or with long-suffering and patience or with complete patience and doctrine teaching. It takes time, we said it last week. Old habits die hard. There's always thinking this with habit. Take out the H, you've still got a bit. Take out the H and the A, you've still got bit. Take out the H and the A and the B, you've still got it. <laughs> the things I don't want to do. Yes, these things I seem to keep on doing. What a wretched man am I. This is vital, therefore, that we have balance. The three aspects are geared towards how you preach its purpose of preaching. Correct, threaten, admonish. Tear down and throw away. Destroy. Then to build and plant. Jeremiah. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. That's what the word will do if preached fully and accurately. However, the last part, Paul turns to the preacher's personal responsibility. And this is where we'll go as we bring this in. Personal responsibility. Long-suffering and patience. It's not so much about them that are receiving the word as much as it is about how we carry ourselves as we bring the word. Markothemia is the Greek word and it means to be consistent. So when it talks about long-suffering, it means be consistent. <laughs> consistent. And if you maybe ask yourself, are you sometimes inconsistent? Yeah, the inconsistence can come from the compromise. I've been inconsistent. I've, I've not been integrous. To persevere. Most people are convinced that they are... And this is the thing, and you, you learn this, I think, in time that you... And you'll probably testify this yourself that most people are convinced that their constant failing is going to lead people to give up on them. That's what happens to people. They just think, oh, one more failing, I'm, I know they've got to fling me out here. <laughs> one more, I'm, I'm gone. And we, we, we can tend to think that these, the constant failing will lead to people giving up on us. And I can honestly put my hand up and say there is no pastor or preacher who I've ever met who's worth their salt, who stands in the word, who gives up memory. Oh, there need to be a buffer there and I'll bring it in. I've never met a decent biblical pastor who gives up on people. If we're talking about preachers who are adhering to the word, let me add, however, that does not mean that they yield to tears and gripes and moaning. Big difference. Too many pastors are so not long-suffering that they can't handle the gripe. They can't handle the huff. <laughs> of course, none of you guys are like that, you know. Never, never going to huff. Can't handle the tears. All of a sudden, the tears start. Listen, this is not just for preachers. Think of this as a believer. The tears start and all of a sudden... The message that you're telling changes and now you're not even teaching sound doctrine. Can't handle the abuse. 
The mood. Children are brilliant at it. This is classic. Predominantly, parents can suffer terribly. Children are, can be so stubborn. They'll go in a bad mood with you forever. And there are too many parents. Too many parents can't handle it. Can't handle their child no loving them. They change their doctrine. Change what they teach. Oh, she's not happy. Became inconvenient. Can't handle the gripe, the tears, the mood, the abuse, the gossip. Back to church there. That does not mean that we should not confront. Long suffering is no mean, but I'll just put away it. It means we don't compromise, nor do we take it to heart. However, an unwillingness to repent needs an unwillingness to repent needs serious rebuking. But if that person repents, we build up. That's part of the long suffering. We don't carry a record of wrongs. Long suffering is not a compromise of truth. It's that we do it with clean hands and a pure heart, the psalmist says. Or as Joe Biden says, the palmist says. <laughs> True believer. <sighs> it's with clean hands and a pure heart that we ascend to hell of God. Long suffering is no a compromise of truth. It's that we stand strong in the word and truth and not take it personally. Often it's no patience that we have. Yeah, this is how we twist it because it inconveniences. So we turn patience and we justify his patience when it's dependency. Yeah, that's no patience, that's dependency. How do you know the difference? Your message has changed. That's no longer patience. That's no long suffering. You've changed what you believe. Because you feel inconvenienced and uncomfortable with the tension. It's no patience you have. It's dependency. It's a lack of inconvenience. It's a lack of out of season courage. Out of season winter, we talked about it last week. Some of the least loving people I know are them that challenge nothing and no one. Long suffering is not that we change our message or sound doctrine. It's that we neither resent or take it personal to the point that we start to preach another message. So you can so resent it that you start to teach a different message because as you're correcting or confronting or rebuking or challenging and often the <laughs> the atmosphere that's getting fed back at you can make you go two ways. It can make you go one way where you go, I'm stepping outside the world and now I'm, I've no self-control and now I'm angry. I'm bitter. I'm belittling. I'm, I'm stepping outside the world. Show me a preacher or MD who's doing that. The argument's over. Because you're stepping outside the word and there, there will ha people will hammer you about that. And you'll, you'll lose every battle. Because the flesh is flared up and you step outside the word and you start to personalise 
the rebuke. That's no long suffering. And I'm sure many can go, oh, I could have said that better. Amen. Oh, I could have said that better. Uh, I, I sometimes, because I have got a gob, as you can tell, sometimes the words just, and I'm like, I'll oh, kick them back. And I can honestly put my hand in heart, without doubt, tell you, as a pastor on his journey, learning. Probably the greatest mistakes I've made is when I've stepped outside the word to rebuke. <laughs> I've stepped outside the truth of the word to bring rebuke or correction or challenge because there's been a lack of self-control. Start to preach another message. And, and Paul's equally instructing Timothy, although he's prone to the, the compromise, he's equally, equally instructing Timothy, as Paul did throughout, Christ did. You remember the disciples were rebuking people because they were casting demons out, and Jesus says, what are you doing? You don't know what manner in which I came. Them who are, them who are not against us are for us. Words to that effect. And what was happening is, is the disciples were stepping stem outside the word to bring correction and personalising it. It's challenging, isn't it? She would have been worse. She could have been sitting with me when I was having to do it. I'm like, I think I'll leave that bit. It's a challenge. That's why we need the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. Because a lack of patience will start to put your own message and your own spin on it, people. As will compromise. As will compromise. Compromise starts to put a different message. Well, you know, I'm not correcting them. Under the guise of I'm being patient. I'm long-suffering. I'm loving. You ever seen the film Love, actually? No, I'm not highly recommending it. Right. I'm leaving it. I'm leaving recommending it. Never mind highly recommending it. But there's a bit, and you know, it's all these wee love stories. It's very, very worldly. But there's a bit in it and there's a girl in it and she meets this guy. That's one of the wee subplots. But she's a brother who's, uh, let's just say, get issues, okay? Lots of issues. And he just phones her at the drop of the hat all the time, eh? So it's all these wee stories he love, okay? And he just keeps phoning at the drop of a hat. He's, 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 he's got issues, but he's chronically selfish, Okay? And he keeps phoning at the drop of the heart and they're, they're kind of symbolising love here that she just drops everything and goes and runs after the selfish guy. Issues. You know, he's got that under the guise of love and it's the only part of the film. <laughs> Sorry, I know. I don't like to, I hate to give illustrations less, you know, but it's the only part of the film where I think, well, they've got love wrong everywhere, of course, but it's the one they've got, they couldn't be more wrong for me. It's the one part of the film where everybody gets wrong. No, it's, it's, it, they're not even representing worldly love right for me. <laughs> because somebody running after somebody is selfish and chronically selfish and changing it under the guise of I'm being loving, I'm patient and long-suffering. As I see many believers and pastors doing. I'm thinking, 
That's a lack of separation problem you've got. And you're disguising it as love. And it goes so deep. You know, that, you know what? That, need, that, needs, that needs dug deep, that stuff, because you can justify it forever. You can justify that it's on the name of love forever when it's in the name of dependency. Maybe we can leave it like this. A lack of self-control will lead to you preaching outside the word. And a compromise will lead you allowing them to tell you what to preach outside the word. I'll say that again. A lack of self-control will lead to you preaching outside the word. And a compromise will lead to you allowing them to tell you what to preach. Okay, perfect segue to lead us into this close. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. As Paul writes to Timothy. But having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths, fables. I'll see in other translations. Okay, I really wish I had more time today, but we will tap into this uh, again next week. But let me just give a kind of overview. Firstly, who are they? Who are they? Who are they? And they will turn their ears. Who? Well, they are them that have heard the gospel. Remember who Timothy Paul's writing to? Them that have heard the gospel, they yet are no saved. Best way to describe it, social Christians. Social Christians who are in church and now many out of church, who don't like any corrective stuff, who don't like all the, the word. They like some of the word. They like the nice bits. But only the stuff that doesn't affect them. You know, I'm so grateful. I don't, I don't like to pinpoint stuff that my nephews at church have been coming to church in the last few months. Never been to church. He's 18, I think. <laughs> it was my sister's birthday last Sunday and I was standing talking, I was wishing Alicia happy birthday because it's birthday on the same day. And I think it was, I can't remember, if it, I can't remember who it was that says it. I, I was either Audrey or, I don't, I don't know who it was. Somebody says it, it may have been Fiona says, oh, aye, did you wish your sister happy birthday? I thought, ooh. <laughs> Forgot. Back to the point, just a brief point. Never been in church, never sat under the world. Right for the offset, getting the whole counsel of God. And to be honest with you, somebody will just be like, I don't get some of this stuff. That's all right. You're, you're not getting the right stuff. <laughs> it's okay not to get the right stuff. I would rather somebody not get the truth than feed them lies, sweet little lies. God will not belong in balancing it and catching it up. As he's doing. Yeah. They are them that have heard the gospel yet are not saved. Social Christians who are in church and now some out of church. They don't like the corrective stuff. They, they only like a bit of it. As long as it doesn't challenge their people dependency. 
It's where all the scars come. Or their sinfulness. Or their idol worship. As long as it suits their confirmation bias. They are fine, but preach the whole counsel of God and that's it. I'm not having it. Some leave and go and become a Christian on tour. Do you know what they're doing? Heaping up teachers. Go to that church sometimes, go to that church, go there, go there. Oh, I like him. He's good here. He's good. I like him. I like the worship there. What are you talking about? I like the worship. The worship's good there. Good, good. He's sound. I like him. I'm not coming next week. How? Because I don't like what he says. Heaping up teachers. To suit their confirmation bias. They are fine, but preach the whole counsel of God and that's it. Looking for messages that tickle their ears. Massage their ears. The only comforts, but that doesn't touch the areas that they don't want touched. Oh, it's getting about you. So the hip hop teachers, the accumulate teachers. Sam's in church, the mafia. The church mafia, they bully the preacher. You can bet your bottom dollar that Timothy was getting bullied. And Paul's having none of it. Paul knows he was getting bullied. Paul was pastor there for years. He knows the crowd. No, all of them. He popped teachers and the mafia bully the preacher and start to dictate the message they want. I've experienced this many, many Many times, many times, both here and in Dundee, many times. Now you ask yourself, am I pleasing men or God detests my heart? That's a question. Why is Paul charging Timothy? He told them, hold fast, listen to that. <laughs> loves the word. <laughs> that do loves the word. Fennies have got a gun, all the same. <laughs> this is why Paul charged Timothy, told him to hold fast because these Christian atheists will try and bully their way into you changing your message. They don't care what sound. They don't want... Oh, it's really gone for it. They don't care what sound. It's what feels good. They've got confirmation bias. And if you don't keep preaching it, they'll no be long letting you know. And they may stay for a while and try and get you to change your mind by intimidating, huffing and puffing and folding the hands and not being happy. Some leave, not a moment too soon. But mostly they stay for way longer and cause unrest and division and strife and attempt to intimidate the pastor and the preacher to change his mind and preach another gospel that's more convenient one thing that's a struggle to bring us in for many pastors and people as we preach is misinterpret long suffering with this stuff you misinterpret long suffering with defiance 
and end up long-suffering them who want nothing but their ears tickled and no sound doctrine, and you over-long-suffer them. You're thinking, that should have been confronted sooner, but we've over-long-suffered, thinking that that's the right thing to do. This is very, very common. We, we, we weak leaders, because they confuse and misunderstand 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, 8, I'll just close, but... This is what Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. But we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Isn't that lovely? So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only, listen to this, not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. And the problem is we a scripture like this as it ends up getting misconstrued and mis... Um, this is... This is this is the, the, the compromise will come in and you go, you know what, well, I, I'm, I'm suffering my life for them. It's like that bit of the love actually bit I mentioned. They end up long suffering, the thing that they should be rebuking. The thing that they're rebuking, they should, they're patiently. You can be patient and rebuke. So don't rebuke anything and then you've got this, the church that's got pockets everywhere of unhappiness and division and gossip and they don't like that and they don't like that and then you've got the preacher slowly but surely melting. You don't need to look much further than the Church of Scotland to see this. Preachers will say they're standing. We're standing and we're preaching the word but you're not preaching the word. You know the word but you're not preaching it in and out of season. Well, you're doing Zoom classes. I don't mean, is that a fitness class? Zoom calls. Thinking it's somehow a Christ-like character to accept their behaviour because they misconstrue this. When the truth is that they've stepped away from standing in sound doctrine. Jesus says, or Peter Apostle Peter talks about how Jesus it says the Lord does not slack to Peter 3.9 the Lord does not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness but is long suffering towards us not willing that we should perish but that we should come to repentance the long suffering is for the elect it's to bring to repentance not to be confused with them that are totally unwilling to receive instruction Throughout the church, these preachers are being heaped up, ten a penny, being controlled by the congregation. And it's killing the congregation. And it's killing the preachers. Put you in mind, eh? Numbers 14, and let's select a leader. Remember they went to spy in the land? Let's select a leader. The Hebrews couldn't handle the giants of Anak. They felt like grasshoppers in their sight. And he says, you know what we'll do is we'll select a leader and head back to captivity. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold it. We'll select a leader and head back to Pharaoh. And the problem is, is when the compromised church and when the compromised message and when the congregation starts selecting their leader, we're in trouble. Because what will happen is they'll end up selecting leaders based on where their confirmation bias is at. And they'll select a leader based on what they can handle. 
And what happens is, is they head back to Egypt, don't they? They head back to the promised land. They head back, sorry, no, to the promised land. The promised land's a short river crossing away. Let's select a leader and head back. This is what happens. We'll head back to Pharaoh because he wasn't that bad. Really? Really, he wasn't that bad? No, we, want, we, don't want, we don't need leaders that are going to head, keep people in captivity and keep people locked out of church. We want leaders that's going to walk across the water towards the promised land and say, yeah, they're giants, but we've got God. I know you might not suit what we're saying and you might feel uncomfortable, but this is our inheritance. Well, saying we'll keep up leaders who will not be will be nothing more than acceptors of people's sins and false idols and myths. Embracing all sorts of teaching. Basically, they're not following your teaching. And the problem is in the church today, too many of the churches, and I pray, I mean this with my heart, and because I've got a strong, bold voice, that people might, I pray that their pastors listen to this with all my heart. And I pray that they don't just listen to my North Lanarkshire accent and be sabotaged by it. But I pray that they hear this and get their church open and stop following the culture of the world. Because what's happening is, is what will happen is, is that every church is end up just going to follow individual people's agenda. The truth is, I don't care what your take on is of the word and how you see it. I just care how God sees it. Sound doctrine. We've got church pockets and you should be grateful. <laughs> We're all grateful, I'm sure we are. We should be really grateful that the word of God is cutting through our flesh because left to your own devices, you would create another message for yourself. You'd create another message. Thank goodness for the preacher's who really don't care about your wee cream puff. Who really could not give a rip whether you're in a wee huff or no. <laughs> or whether you like them or whether you don't. Man doesn't pick the man of God. God appoints him. No man. And if God appoints him, then he ought to speak for God. No man. But we'll close. When the preacher and pastor and believer allows man to lead them, and know the word. You'll surely see all sorts of false gods, false teaching myths, and all sorts of abuse sent on your church. That's why we must stand firm in the faith. Yet because he compromised many tickled ears. You know the elector not even given sound doctrine. And there's a problem. Not even the elector given sound doctrine. And I know the congregation, I could speak to many and just go, you know what, I wasn't even given sound doctrine. And I wasn't given sound doctrine because they were a weak pastor and a weak leader and a weak preacher who compromised to the bullying mafia crowd. And it caused me not to be able to crucify my flesh. When you were actually screaming, that's what creates a zoo in a church. Talk about ark. And without that, you're never able to tear down sin, help people beat shame, crucify flesh, 
to yield to them who do not want sound doctrine is to affect and infect the whole body and cause believers to starve. Thank you for joining us for our podcast here at Hope United Church. If you'd like to get in touch or for any more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Thank you.